Attila the Hun, a man who transformed the Huns from a gathering nomadic tribe into an empire that dominated the world with speed and ferocity. You're listening to Casual History. Welcome back to another episode of Casual History. Yeah, glad you're here. Thanks. I'm glad you're here, <laughs> you're here as well. Too, but I mean everybody listening as well. True. <laughs> Otherwise, right. I would be talking to myself. Which isn't as fun. Isn't as fun. It's Thanksgiving week. Yeah. So um, we're doing this podcast a little early for us. Probably not for you guys. We're probably going to be posting it like normal. But um, uh, I was going to... I, I thought about doing a themed... A live Thanksgiving podcast? Not, well, not a live Thanksgiving <laughs> podcast, but mm-hmm. one centered around the actual truth of Thanksgiving. Yeah. Um, but I got sidetracked. That's okay. Um, I I got into this uh, deep, dark hole <laughs> of <laughs> YouTube, That's a way to start a podcast. YouTube videos yeah. of mm-hmm. random historical figures. I normally do this when I'm trying to find right. or articles I'll just type in. Like I'll try to go through and lock on to something that's interesting to me and then dive into it more and right. try to research it if there was not already something I had in mind previously. But I, I did that with this particular podcast. Right. And then I just, this whole morning I've been um, putting it together to try to frame it up. So yeah. um, we are talking about Attila the Hun, the scourge yeah. of our, all lands is yeah. what he De- was known as. Defeated by Mulan. Right. Back at, what was what time was that? <laughs> But fireworks, right? Uh, the fifth dynasty. I don't know. I really don't know. <laughs> That's all fictitious, folks. Yeah, yeah. He mentioned Mulan, the Disney movie, because um, isn't that is He's that the who, main bad guy? Is yeah. he to defeat the Huns in the, in oh the song? My God. Yeah, <gasps> I completely did not register that. That's right. Wow. So now, now combine that with your true knowledge, and you have the man, the myth, the legend. Well, there's no. Mulan in this story. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. There's I'm sure just there the isn't. Roman Empire. Aha. Uh-huh. Which was uh the the greatest foe I think the Romans supposedly uh ever had or maybe even feared. Maybe maybe that's mm-hmm. more of it was Attila the Hun. Yeah. Um, okay, so I want to I want to make a correction. I don't know if the main bad guy in Mulan is Attila the Hun. I just know it in the song it says to defeat the Huns. Well, so it, it just remnants of them. It kind of makes Maybe. sense because the group of bad guys in Mulan. <laughs> yeah, I'm kinda, sure they were kind of fit made into off of people. Yeah, I would assume that's who they're referencing. Sure, in, in that movie. But I just wanted to make that clear. <laughs> no one come after me about the Disney movies. Okay, I'm just yeah. I'm just here to relay what I know about Attila the Hunt. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, here's a little. I, I thought I'd give a short synopsis at the front, and then we can get into the yeah whole story. But the general, you know, the saying, "A flame that burns twice as bright mm-hmm. burns out yes. half as quick," or along those lines. Yes, it was similar. That's how the Hunnic Empire happened. Uh-huh. It came out of nowhere, happened quick, happened fast, and then evaporated yeah. with Attila's death. Okay, um, and this man was a every, terror. I, I, I guess so. Yeah, he was a terror and just a love for war. Um, but basically. Even the Roman Empire feared Attila, which was a big thing, right? They call, yeah. they were the ones who dubbed him. Um, there's a, a word I cannot pr- 
pronounce, but it's Fagella Day. Which well, you just m- did. You just pronounced it. Sorry. <laughs> you did a good job. Well, it means the scourge of God. Oh. That's how they framed oh. this man. Okay. Right? Well. Um, and I, I does don't he know live if, up to the name? He does. He's war hungry. He's that he does. Okay. Um, I'm excited to hear about it. But I didn't know if you knew of anything. Again, I, I didn't. No. When I first started going down this rabbit hole, I knew nothing. I knew the general Attila the Hun. Like, I knew I'm the, more amazed every day at the names that I know that are just like burned to my brain, like in the most light sense. Like, I just know the name. Yeah. Like, I know nothing else besides that he was a person that lived. Like, I, I don't really know. <laughs> it's just yeah. the truth. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's, uh, that's why we're called casual history. But that's Jake. why I'm so shocked all the time that it's like, I've never sat down and been like, hmm, who is Attila the Hun? Let me do Where some research. Where did he come from? Yeah. Yeah. I don't think majority of people do. Right. Which is why you have us. Yeah. Why do you need to go out and do that? Just listen to us on your drive to work, you know, while you're just hanging out, where you're at a party and you don't want to hear anybody talk. Oh, yeah. Me all the time. And, you know. <laughs> yeah. Just let us tell you. Um, one of the main things I don't, I didn't realize how big of an impact, of course, right. When you go back through history, right. The major migrations that happened, he was the proponent of a lot of migrations of people. So from, uh, and so there's two sides of the coin, of course, for the Roman empire falling. Mm -hmm. Um, but basically the wars that ensued, uh, between Roman Empire, we talked about this with Marcus Aurelius. Yes, when you know the big thing that kind of led to their downfall was the constant war uh, with the Gothic tribes and the other nomadic tribes that were coming into Roman territory. That kind of sure. again warfare led, and it just you get burned by it and the disease. And we talked about that in the last podcast. For people yeah, want to know, all hit at once. Um, but so, but the reason why a lot of those those tribes were moving into their territory. Was because of Attila man. the Hun and the Huns in general. Okay. Um, so basically, a fight uh, without the a fight, the wars between these two sides directly led to the fall of the Western Roman Empire. Um, right. It's evident that the Hunnic invasions under Attila changed the landscape of the world forever. So these this group of people who were going through and dominating and conquering led to so many different people fleeing. The different areas yeah, of the world. Flint, that, it, it, where even where we can trace where they ended up today by, you know, of course, the residents. Yeah. Um, so it's pretty insane the that's amount really of migrations that he caused. That's very interesting for, like, yeah, for finding um, where, like, the lineage of peoples uh, ended up yeah. and why they ended up there. And they yeah. all headed west. So that was where they ended up into Roman territory. Like, it was kind of okay. inevitable. So, like, the Goths, the Vandals... Um, the Franks They're all outrunning a bigger enemy and fighting, yeah, <laughs> whoever they, they came across because they didn't want to go back. Yep, and they wow. settled in these new lands where the descendants, you know, are still right can can be found today. That's um, wild, isn't it? Like, uh, like if the Romans knew that, how terrified would they be? Well, that, they they called him the scourge of God. So. Well, yes, <laughs> <laughs> I just I just meant like uh, how terrifying to be like you're fighting an enemy and you're like well, they came out of nowhere. They're just fighting us and now they want to live here too, right? And then to think that the only reason why they're fighting you is because they're running from a bigger 
yeah. scarier bad dude that they don't even want to touch behind them. Yeah, is they were kind of caught. These people were caught between rock and hard place between yeah. the Roman Empire and the Roman Empire wasn't always great. But there's a certain point in here, at least at this time, I'll touch on. But um, the people who initially were fleeing, they did give them land. Like Romans were like, yes, become part of our you know whatever society. Yep. Uh, but they were. It was more along the lines of thinking they were kind of a cheap war like. Uh, uh, warriors, they're cheap mercenaries, yeah. basically at the front line. But then that led ended up into leading to big conflicts between those tribes and the Romans. So uh, it was, it's a mess. He caused a mess. Well, is all I'm saying. Yeah. And then this, the pieces fell and scattered, and they're still there. Okay. Um, but let's get into it. That's yeah. kind of a good pr- uh, preface. But um, so the or- origins. This is interesting to me as well. So until his date of birth, right? This is always, when we go talk about these kind of characters. Yeah. We have this similar opening. I feel like or no we one don't knows know when he was born. <laughs> no one knows where he was born. So he I'm might just have gonna, been an eighty year old man when he died. We don't know. Basically. <laughs> so, but it suggested between his uh, the histories of what we do know uh, between the fourth and late fifth uh, century A.D. Okay. Um, and then based on the events of his life, some scholars believe that even 30, uh, 395 AD is the most probable uh, place of birth. Right. But the same uncertainty of his birth extends to Attila's people. So they were a warrior nomadic nation, right? Mm-hmm. And they didn't really leave behind texts or monuments or cities which could be studied to understand their culture or their history. Okay. Um, and so in the Western historical record, they simply appeared toward the end of the fourth century when they decided to cross Volga River and expand into the Eastern and Central Europe. So we don't know much about their entire people besides that. And, and, until they decided to show up on the radar, right? they were like in, in the darkness somehow. Correct. And there's a theory, though. It's debated, right? Their origins, of course. And even the language they spoke, we're unsure. Um, As we don't know anything with certainty, but one popular idea, so this was interesting, uh, suggests that some kind of link is with an earlier nomadic people originating in Mongolia and then attested in ancient Chinese sources that these people, right, these nomadic people that Mm -hmm. they're thinking could be the Huns, um, that these early nomadic people had lived in the region as early as the 3rd century B.C., and then had gone to war against the Chinese Han dynasty for over 200 years before eventually suffering a decisive defeat. So there's a certain group of people that it's known in the Chinese literature that they were at constant war, and they're these, um, this tribe um, that ended up basically eventually kind of fading away after hundreds of year war right? Um, and kind of went away. And some argue that these people are actually... Um, they were known as the uh, Shangnu. Um, were, they were, in fact, the Huns, is what the theory is. Oh. thought that was really interesting how... It's still interesting now that, like, again, uh, there can be still mysteries like this. And 100%. they still exist where it's like, yeah, we have no idea what language they were speaking. Yeah. We don't even know their origins. They just, all of a sudden, when they decide to, you know, show up on the map somewhere, hitting another really big, you know thing we know a lot about yeah then now they're on the radar of history well the romans were a really good source of history for us like, yeah even if it's slanted because i'm going to talk oh, about yeah, that a little bit for sure um but again i want to mention just off the top that whole thing i just mentioned about the nomadic people that were in the chinese texts about the fighting pure speculation that sure. this is hans so not fact i can't say for any certainty no from what i can confirm yeah no um but i thought that was an interesting theory it is um but when it comes to Attila the Hun himself, there's scarcely any reliable sources at all. 
But there was one contributor um, who was uh, a Roman diplomat and historian who was not only alive during the Huns' reign, but actually met Attila oh. as part of a diplomatic mission. Okay. Can well, you... he lived, so... <laughs> I well, mean, so. well, he he was a good character. I have like a good quote from that um, okay. work, and so his name is Prisius. Prisius, so we're gonna call him that. Um, right. It, his work didn't survive in its entirety, but his work was then quoted by later historians such as Jordanes and Cassidorius. Um, so we do have fragments of his actual writings, right? And included in other texts that did survive. Um, one bit is a description directly from the man of of Attila, right? And this okay. is the description. Um, he goes, <laughs> he has a haughty in his walk, rolling his eyes hither and thither, thither, so that the power of his proud spirit appears in the movement of his body. He was indeed a lover of war, yet restrained in action, mighty in counsel, gracious to supplicants and lenient to those who were once received in his protection. He was short of stature with a broad chest and a large head. His eyes were small, his beard thin and sprinkled with gray, and he had a flat nose and a swarthy complexion. Showing the evidence of his origins, and though his temper was such that he always had great self-confidence, yet his assurance was increased by finding the sword of Mars, always esteemed sacred among the kings of the Scythians. Okay. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot, but there's a uh, Excalibur uh, out there that he found, which I found no talk about when I looked it up. Really? But I, but I did find the sword of Attila, right? Right. Which is the the sword it's reference. What I mean by it wasn't talked about, meaning I didn't read when I was reading articles or I watch a video. Mm-hmm. I didn't really hear mention of this sword. Yeah. But when that description directly from the guy who met him, I right. was like. The oh. sword of Mars. What? What are you talking yeah. about? Would you? Would um, you learn anything about it? Is there any articles on it? Yeah. So, um, basically, the sword of Attila, also called the sword of Mars or sword of God, was oh, was the legendary weapon carried by Attila the Hun. Right. Okay. The Roman historian Jordanus, Jordanes, quoting the work of the historian Priscus, which I just talked about, yes, gave the story to its origin. Um, so here, here's the. Synopsis. Okay. When a certain shepherd beheld one heifer and his flock limping and could find no cause for this wound, he anxiously followed the trail of blood and at length came to a sword it had unwillingly trampled over. Right? He dug it up and took it straight to Attila. He rejoiced at this gift, being ambitious, uh, thought he had been appointed ruler of the whole world, and that through the sword of Mars supremacy in all wars was assured to him. Oh. That's like the legend of the story of but what a cool again <laughs> Mars. I, I say cool lightly because obviously we know this man was not a nice man. But <laughs> he was. He, I, I mean, again, some history. People, but some people are just uh, shepherds in yeah. the worst and, and best way. Yes, for good or for worse, it happened. And this man, when you find those natural leaders, landscape. yeah. One way or another. Yeah. But that's what I'm saying. Like, that's what's, that's what hits me the most from that description is like, so a dude so fucking cocky (laughs) and to walk up and think that he's the ruler of the world. Well, he got this And there's nothing you can do. He had a doubt. He thought he was touted on. But even like from the story, I mean, obviously, uh, there isn't like a direct, um, a real, like some person who was there that this this is where he found the sword. Right. But that story signifies that he put that on himself. He had ambition so high. That and he was so confident and cocky that when he saw the sword, he was like, "Ugh, 
this must give me the power to destroy the world. I, like, I, I also wonder, so there's, I'm going to get into his story a little bit more, but when he did come into power, um, if that was almost a, a rallying point of, I am going to take over and be war hungry because they were kind of a war driven tribe. Sure. Um, but the use of Mars, I thought was interesting. The word Mars yeah. on the sword, uh, um, of Mars, it, they think it's due to the Roman interpretation um, however, as the Huns would not have adopted the names of a Roman deity, which is Mars, mm-hmm. the more likely names used by the Huns would have been uh, more like uh, Sword of the War God. And so the the Roman Priscius description is also notable for describing how Attila used it as both a military weapon and a symbol for divine favor, mm. which may have contribu- contributed to his reputation as, in quotes, the scourge of God. Yeah, and um, also as, yeah, a leader. Again, like that's... I mean, who do you follow into battle? A normal man, right? Or like someone who has built this, not, I mean, propaganda. It's persona. It's persona. persona yeah. uh, that he cannot be killed and he has been endowed with this power and that's why they're winning. And then that seeps in, you know what I mean? Yeah. Even, even just for placebo effect, that kicks in. Yeah. Um, and even, so it was kind of a historian, Edward Gibbon, elaborated on the whole Mars, the whole sort of uh, Attila, when he says in quotes here, the vigor with which Attila wielded the sword of Mars convinced the world that it had been reserved alone for his invincible arm. <laughs> and in this way, it became somewhat of a scepter as well, representing Attila's right to rulership. Okay. Um, and the Scythians, right, which worshipped a god equated with Ares by Herodotus, um, which has led some authorities to speculate, speculate that it was adopted by the Huns. So okay. all the lore there is straight yeah. from basically uh, the gods gave him the sword and was like wield it. Yeah, win. Yeah, um, <laughs> and people followed him. Yeah, it became that way too. Yeah, you know, when it kind of a rallying like this what is an the epic guy. story. Yeah, a little. How bit. How could you not? Um, but when the f- so going back to kind of the general history when the, when the Huns first came to Europe, they were not unified yet as a single force. This is before Attila, by the way. I want to mention that. Okay. Um, they were not yet unified as a single force. They were still loosely made up of clans that each had their own king. Um, their first major conquest were the Alans, who were followed by plenty of other small and obscure tribes that had the misfortune of being in the way. Right. Uh, as the Huns made advances into Europe, they began encountering Gothic nations like the Thervingi or the Gerinthi. Uh, um, and over the course of two, three Sorry, over the course of a period of time, yes. they basically these these other tribes proved no match for the invading hordes, oh. and they were forced to retreat to the west, which was only a matter of time, which we talked about before they ran into Roman territory, mm. and which so at this point in time, so before Attila, they're pinned like an Oreo. You're in trouble. Well, <laughs> they were, but this is where the Roman Empire kind of took them in. So at this point in time, so before Attila the Hun, um, the Roman the basically. The power of the Roman Empire was fading. Um, we talked about this again at the, at the end of Marcus Aurelius, known as the kind of the last of the good emperors, mm-hmm. uh, and the world kind of started to fade. We're near. We're at that point where the Roman Empire was fading. It had. It's not as big as it once was. Um, and at this point, it had unofficially been divided into Western and Eastern Roman Empire, meaning that there was two political administrations two emperors, two capitals, um, and the Eastern Romans, also known as the Byzantine Empire, Mm -hmm. was headquartered at Constantinople. Um, And while the Western Empire no longer used Rome as its seat of power, but rather um, basically modern-day Milan. Right. Um, And also a point of note, 
this division at the time between East and West was done retroactively. I'd like to mention that. Okay. So by modern scholars to create a more evident distinction between the two political entities. Okay. Um, although, again, it's complicated because the Romans from that time would have still considered themselves simply citizens of a single empire. Right, which is interesting. I've never, I mean, I've heard of those two separately. I didn't, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. It's just yeah. great, like something so small that I didn't realize that uh, that they had split themselves up. Yeah, I, like imagine, imagine if America was civil war and we were all Americans still, but there's South and there's North and you're still both Americans. Sure. And there's two different administrations. But they decided to elect two different presidents. Like, you know what I mean? That's what, that would be the equivalent. I guess. Is like, hey, you, I don't know you can follow it. the constitution and have yeah. your president. We're going to have a kingship down here in the South. <laughs> yeah. You know what I, mean? like, I don't, I don't know anything. enough about it. It might be. I really don't. But that, I just thought it was interesting, of course, to note. The political landscape. Yeah, that's very interesting. Because the Roman Empire, that was the biggest... Was um, that a fall, too? Because, I mean, them being divided, I mean, it sure had to yeah, cause some sort of trouble. definitely. Just um, inner definitely. with themselves. Um, and so, once once the Attila the Huns, right, were moving these people over, <laughs> yeah, mowing them over, uh, the Goths, right, were seeking refuge in Roman lands. Right. And at first, the Eastern Roman Empire uh, gave them... Uh, the emperor at the time was Valens, gave them permission to settle. Okay. Um, and more so looking at them as a cheap army. Um, however, the land that they were given was not sufficient to hold all of the people fleeing. Oh. Um, so food food shortages led to riots and revolts, mm. uh, which in 376 uh, AD blossomed into a fully-fledged war. And so this was interesting. So this is one of the many conflicts between the Goth and Romans, which, again, we talked about in the last podcast, yes. how that was a constant for them. Um, and while all of this was going on, the Huns made their own incursions. So they attacked the parts of the Eastern Roman Empire that corresponded to Western Asia, such as Syria and the like. Right. Um, and they also tried their luck. This Man, was the problem with the Romans being so big. Yeah, you got like so you many to, fronts. It, yeah, like yeah. you had to defend in all fronts. You get too big and like everything falls apart. I can't like I don't I I cannot imagine trying to run. You even have you seen the map of the Roman Empire too at certain points in time? Not really. How to be spread honest. out and kind of weird shape. Like there could be like a little arm off here to the right. Yeah. And again, in my mind, I'm like, why don't you just take the whole block? Just take the whole block. <laughs> just for my OCD, please just take exactly. the whole block. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but it obviously, probably didn't work that way. There were probably people there. Yeah. No. A hundred percent. So I can only imagine trying to rule that kind of. I can't imagine that job. Right. I really can't. So it makes sense that like there isn't one ruler going. I understand every single front. Yeah. In a place that, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's so weird. Um, and so, so basically, right, they're pushed and they're kind of cornered. Mm-hmm. And they kind of start, that becomes like an ongoing war. Um, and as the Huns are trying to make their own incursions, and then they try to, um, try their luck against the Neo-Persian Empire. Okay. Okay. But encountered a rare defeat. So, um, and even, so this is a, a just a, I want to make this a note. Be, the reason I'm making a note of this is because we're going to come back to it, and it's going to be like, wait, what did they do? They had some black magic. Yeah, what do you mean? Um, okay, so um, they tried their luck there, but encountered a rare defeat and were driven back into Europe. Um, I just want to make that a note. The Romans? They got driven the back? Huns, the Huns. Oh, did. the Huns did. The oh. Huns had a rare defeat. Um, okay. And so at times, actually, the Huns were employed as mercenaries by the Romans to fight the Goths. Okay. I want to touch, skip over that because we'll come back. It, we'll touch back at it. Yeah. Wait. So, let me set this. Am I confusing you? No, I'm so no, sorry. you're not confusing me. I'm just wondering how that ends up to be. Now that you said that, like, yeah, how did the Romans? 
I thought they were at war. So the Romans and the Huns um, complicated were relationship. Complicated apparently. relationship at the at the start, um, and so as they were making their own incursion th- again, when you're the Roman Empire, you're fighting on all fronts, mm-hmm. and you're having a war against the Goths at the moment. Yeah. Um, you you take I guess any help you can get. So as oh. they're pushing these people back towards the Roman Empire, and the Huns are expanding and trying other uh, right attacks and stuff mm-hmm. on other people, they end up hiring. Um, the Huns as mercenaries for a period of time. Oh, wow. Um, talk about a, yeah, talk about a, like a uh, sickum. Yeah. <laughs> kind and, of moment. and they were basically there to fight the Goths and over the following decades, the Romans and the Huns had an uneasy alliance. Right. Although both sides occasionally broke it and attacked one another. Mm. Um, but something else happened as well. The Huns became a united force under a man named, uh, Ruga. He and his brother, Roca, were co-rulers and each held dominion over half of their territory, right? Um, Octor, though, they had another brother, was the first to, uh, sorry, um, Roca, the, the second brother, uh, was the first to die around 430 AD. Mm-hmm. And so at least for a while, Ruga was the sole ruler of the Huns, Okay, um, which is a big point of note there. And then Ruga, however, had another brother, and his name was Munzuk. He mm-hmm. had two sons, Bleda and Attila. Okay. So that is where he came from. That was the kind of origin I had to get oh, to. Oh, so that was before he was born. Yeah, this, this is before been, Attila. So their their rampage in running, driving these people off was not because of Attila yet. Not yet. They so, started. They, they started to come out into the scene, and then they became a, a noose. Not a noose, but they became a problem for the Roman Empire. Right. Hired them as mercenaries, kind of an uneasy alliance yeah. to fight the Goths, because that was the bigger thing, even though the Huns were part of the reason why they're in okay. that war. Um, and so, eventually, um, the man who kind of brings them together, Ruga, um, and his brother, his brother dies, right. and he has another brother, right? And Ruga doesn't have a son at this point, is what the thinking is. Um, and so um, we're, it's unsure how the line of succession happens, mm-hmm. um, but we do know he lacked any sons of his own. Um, and so when Ruga died in 434 AD, his two nephews became the new rulers of the Huns, which were uh-huh. co-rulers, the same kind of thing as Ruga was doing. Gotcha. Um, and so... Now that him, Attila, and Bleda were in charge of the Huns um, and in charge of the lands, which were steadily growing um, empire. In fact, by the time Attila died, this is just kind of a bookend, the Hunnic Empire rivaled the Roman Empire in size. If you look up at a map, we'll put up a map uh, when we post this. It's huge. Yeah. (laughs) Like, huge. Um, And I didn't realize how much land they conquered yeah and controlled i had no clue yeah um you always hear again they were forced and they were like yeah nitty-gritty but they own they got a lot of land just they like genghis done. khan you know how there's the biggest empire um right. so they had a huge slice of the world at one point um and so it's unsure also so um it's unsure whether him and his brother had a similar rule of each governing half of the empire, because again, there's not much to go on, but whatever the relationship was between them, it mm-hmm. continued for 11 years until Bleda's death around 445 AD. Okay. And the sources on how he died are relatively mm-hmm. uncertain, although classic sources claim that Attila killed his brother to assume sole control. Oh, God. Which 
is quoted again by the Rome, the Roman historian saying, um, this is in quotes, Brother, the king of the Huns, was assassinated as a result of the plots of his brother Attila. So pretty much, it's this guy. <laughs> his own brother. <laughs> yeah, supposedly. Just so he could rule. The, yeah. Who is this man? Attila <laughs> the Hun. Um, but before we get into the period after yeah. that, um, I want to kind of start at the start of their reign together again, because that was 11 years, right? Right. Um, so, okay. But well, wait, is this a good time to take a break? Oh, this is a great time to take a break. Jake. Perfect. Cause we're, <laughs> we're right like close to the 30 minute mark. So I'd perfect. say this be perfect. And we'll come back and get into the, the real life. Yeah, yep. that's right. All right. Welcome back. Thanks for listening to that ad. If there was an ad in that break, that's if right. there wasn't, we just continued talking. Yep. And nothing, nothing changed. Still here. Definitely did not. <laughs> Wait or do something else in the break. Yep. I appreciate everyone who stayed around. If there was an ad and you're continuing to listen, it just helps us support the podcast. We're sowing our oats, Jake. We are. We're sowing our oats. We, there may not be an ad there. I think nine times out of ten, there's not going to be an ad there. But that's there. okay. But Until there's an ad there. We're going to speak now, it into existence. Six months from now? You never know. Yeah. So be that's ad. why we're doing that. <laughs> um, today we're talking about Attila the Hun. That's right. We were just getting ready to talk about the nitty gritty, like his actual life and his rule, right? Yep, we were. Um, where we left off, which again, you probably just heard. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Attila's brother died and it's basically they point the finger at Attila for killing his brother after yes. he takes control. This is 11 years in though. Which I assume is just the beginning of a very bloody rule of this man. Definitely. <laughs> the first um, person. And so I'll just jump right back into it. So the Romans and Roga, right? His previous the previous ruler of um the Huns um held peace relatively well. And the Romans at this point had to consider that his nephews might have other ideas. Right. And so they were already paying the Huns tribute, and as it turned out, they were willing to pay a lot more for peace. Oh. So in 435, right after the, the death of Ruga, the two sides signed the Treaty of Margu, um, which was quite favor- favorable to the Huns. So the Roman Empire would pay them a fixed annual tribute of 700 pounds of gold, 700 pounds of gold, okay. which was double what they were paying before. And they also <laughs> vowed to return uh, Hunnic refugees... Uh, Refugees. So, well, I think how I took sounds that, scared money. That's what it sounds like. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Sounds like yeah, yeah, we're a big bad empire, but here you just uh, and they also take this. Don't hurt us. They agreed to avoid entering alliances with enemies of the Huns. Okay. And so this was a pretty sick deal for Attila. Yeah, um, no joke. And so instead, he thought, you know what? Okay, fine. I will attempt to invade Persia again and try to take down the uh, empire while i'm getting tribute that ruga couldn't do you know that one of the few defeats of the the of the, the whole hun empire but this is the first time um he was attempting it okay. so hoping to succeed where his predecessors had failed and we don't have solid sources on this part of his reign since the romans were involved right after mm-hmm. he's like oh we're at peace let me go do this but suffice to say that attila was actually defeated okay Oh, by the Persian Empire, and I just mentioned that because what, something what are they, they were doing. doing? <laughs> the Romans should have went around and working. What are you guys doing? Listen, I know you probably don't like us, <laughs> but we have a similar. Thing. What are you doing? Um, and so the, he was again. He they the Huns as an empire was forced to retreat back to Man. Europe, and so at this point, his first target was King Gundar, and the legendary version of King. Uh, basically, there's a whole story about this, but he was slain in battle. 
Attila ends up slaying him in battle in 437 by Attila himself. That's kind of oh. the legendary okay. um, story of it. How much of that is actually him? Who knows? Yeah. Um, and so now at this point, everyone knew that the peace treaty between the two powers would not last long. Yeah. Okay. So but it was already it was already on rocky territory with his uh, not his father, but you know who the first rulers. Yeah. It was it, already on rocky territory where it was like, eh, we attack each other sometimes, but hey. <laughs> and so in 441, the Huns crossed the. Uh, Danube, Danube, I don't, uh, and attacked the Eastern Roman Empire, okay. plundering the provinces, and obviously this meant an, an end to the treaty. Uh, but the Huns claimed that the Romans actually broke it first. Oh, and the timing of which was somewhat suspicious, as the Huns decided to attack right after Roman Emperor Theodosius II reloc- relocated the garrisons defending that border to send them to to fight the Vandals in Africa. So, so <laughs> it sounds a little suspicious. Most likely, the reason being Attila saw weakness. weakness and decided to exploit it, which he seems to be really good at. Right, um, and he was successful in that regard. Of course, as the Huns pillaged several Roman cities and even razed a few to the ground. Okay, like think about that. I, I we say these in passing, but yeah, destroying a city to the ground. Right, like yeah, yeah, yeah madness. Um, and so. Um, at this point, he was uh, Theodosius was ready to sign a new treaty, mm-hmm. <laughs> even more beneficial to the Huns. Are you serious? That, that's how terrified they are, these people. Yeah, and this satisfied Attila, who once again retreated into the heart of his empire. Um, and certain historians argue that some undocumented emergency actually was the reason uh, that appeared, which required uh, Attila Basically required his attention to come back home. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, he would have no reason to stop the invasion since his army had the clear advantage. Yeah. And this was also at the point where his brother died. So, and until it became sole chieftain of the Hunts. So there's a lot of speculation around who knows what if what would have been happening back home mm-hmm. that maybe it forced Attila to come back home to deal with his brother. Oh. You know what I mean? It could oh. have been a thing that happened. Sure. Um, there's a lot of suspicions where the timelines match up or don't. Right. But um, Man, how mad would you be if you were those Roman cities, if you lived in one of those cities? Yeah. And an entire empire decides to burn your city to the ground and several others around you, probably people you know, grew up with, and then the <laughs> the empire's way of dealing with it is like, we're going to pay you more money to so we song. can be friends with us still. <laughs> But so. but here's the thing too, when they redid this whole new treaty, um, it's kind it's really they don't even think that the Romans actually paid. Oh. Um, so whether Romans even paid the new tribute is very unlikely. It's more likely that they were stalling <laughs> to try to yeah. build um, their defense up until the Huns reinvaded because they knew it was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Even though they accepted, so they're making and went false back. claims of a, like a. Horde I think they of both gold. were. I think they both were. I think Attila had something. Something else kind of retired mm-hmm. his attention back home, and he's like, "Fine, fine, I'll, I'll take we'll it." We'll pretend for a second. Yeah, we'll pretend for a second. So, in four forty seven, he came back, and when Attila led his army into the Eastern Roman Empire again. He ravaged all of the provinces. One source claimed that the Huns captured over a hundred cities, going all the way to Thermopylae. Therm- Thermopolis. Thermopylae. Is it Thermopylae? <laughs> Thermopylae. You I think that's it. what it is. I just said Thermopylae. Sorry. Therm- <laughs> Thermopylae. <laughs> that's okay. Um, in Greece, before turning back, and so the invasion culminated in the Battle of Eudes uh, in um, near the modern day River Vit in Bulgaria, and so this was where the two massive forces met. 
and where the Romans were once again defeated by the Huns. Okay. So part of the strategy that I read about with the, again, him capturing all these cities and destroying all these cities, Mm -hmm. the Romans supposedly were probably doing that for strategic reasons. Sure. Because instead of them dying off bit by bit of army, right, Attila had one huge mass and was being able to sweep through. Yeah. And so the Romans, up until this point, were, were just had, you know, garrisons, right? Sure. They didn't have a huge, like, blockade of people all at once yes. going to So war. they were easily outnumbered in almost every place. And so they were able to sweep through. Right. And so that was, basically, they think that was kind of like, well, we have to kind of let them, as we're trying to reorganize our forces and, so and moving it from up. the bottom up to kind of reinforce and mm-hmm. get a big army. But it doesn't matter. When the two forces eventually met, um, basically... The Romans were once again defeated, but they did cause enough casualties to warrant a little bit of... Hesitation moving yeah, forward. Yeah, in time. And right. so, again, the Romans signed a treaty at this point <laughs> after being defeated. Yeah. And the Attila, knowing, you know, hey, my people are done, I probably don't want to go too much further. Because at this point, he had his eye on Thermop- Thermopylae. Yeah. But because of the walls and because of the reinforcements that were happening, he didn't even attempt it because he knew with his men weakened from this big army, even though they sure. won. That well, they it ravaged a hundred cities yeah. that piece by piece, you know? Yep. It was kind of like he, again, he never went further than his ability. Mm-hmm. And so he took the um, new treaty, which Man. tripled the tribute of oh 2,100 pounds of gold. And they just let year. him keep the hundred cities that he just took. Well, there was a number of other concessions. I don't think he kept all the cities, right? I think there's obviously <laughs> there's terms there. I don't know the terms. Um, Maybe he just did that just for the money. He didn't want the land. Well, he was making his empire wealthy yeah. and huge. Which is so, in the Romans treaty was buying them time, but all it did is make them stronger. Well, it allowed the Huns to, well, the Huns didn't to grow. Yeah, and they also gave him gold basically for the the troubles, <laughs> right? And like let them go back home. That's what I'm saying. Just it's to a, do it's it again a lose, later. Lose, man. A little bit. Like you're, you're signing the treaty, and you're like, okay, we, this has got to stop, right? So for that time, you're trading that you're making the empire stronger. Yeah, um, and again, so they went back into their empire and regained their forces. Mm-hmm. Essentially, that is what Attila did. Right. And in this time, in 450. They did not attack the Eastern Roman Empire. Instead, Attila focused his attention on its Western counterpart, which was was a bit of a surprise decision. And do you know why? Have you heard any interesting stories? I'll tell you why in a second. But but did you know anything about Attila's love life? No. Okay. So. (laughs) Oh. Oh. Uh, Yeah. Is he rumored to be... Well, no. Now, Attila's expressed reason for invading the Western Roman Empire was a strange and unique one. So... I'm going to set the scene. Um, the emperor at the time of the Western, uh, of the Western uh, Roman Empire mm-hmm. was Valentinian III, and he had a sister named Honoria. Um, not a bad... What an unfortunate name. What an unfortunate name. She was engaged <laughs> to marry a senator named Bassius, ah. um, and the marriage was arranged by her brother, but she had no desire to go through with it. So of all the people in the world, she sought help from. (laughs) She sought help from Attila the Hun. Attila the Hun. Not the Huns, Attila the Hun. Just him? 
Wait, does she want to be with him? Sending him a note Uh, and a ring. Girls just like bad boys. (laughs) It's just history has shown time and time again. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's like um, I don't want you, Senator. <laughs> I want I want the barbarian at our gates. <laughs> I just wonder how bad that must have been. Oh, for her to reach out to Attila the Hunt. Imagine the heartbreak on the. Imagine the dude. <laughs> like, are you kidding me? You reached out to Attila the fucking Hun? Yeah. yeah. We you, were PG up until that word. So, Jacob. No, I know. I said I said the F word way back before. Okay. I'm sorry. Are we trying to make this more clean? No, I, just, I apologize. I just think it's really funny. I I can't imagine the scenario where even if you're forced to marry someone, yeah, where Attila the Hun is, you see it happening. Oh yeah, Attila the Hun destroying the Eastern Empire, and you know what? You know who I want to reach out to? That guy. I want to reach out to Attila the Hun. Hey, women find that hot. Well, I don't. Okay, we don't even know what was written on the note. Okay, Okay, we don't. So we don't. But sent a ring. Right. So, (laughs) So so insinuating. Right. We don't even know what kind of help uh she was expecting either mm. but attila chose to interpret her proposal as a marriage right as marriage oh, well then he and must protect only, his wife and not only that he felt he was due half the western empire as dowry oh my god he even sent a messenger to uh to valentinian the uh, emperor to confirm that the proposal had been legitimate this um and that attila destroyed would claim, the roman empire dude she, she th- this random woman because she decided to reach out to who she decided to, made him. Oh my God! Yeah. Just, sorry, the implications. I'm I'm losing it over here. I know because that is fucking hilarious. I'm not gonna be sexist, but when people that is so if fucking wanted, funny. If it, if it, it's kind of amusing. If people wanted to say, "Oh, I'll leave it to a woman," <laughs> I'm not saying that. That's not at all what I'm saying. I'm dying. But this, this is... specific scenario, she. She single-handedly caused, brought him to their game. <laughs> like, he's probably just going to work on the, where he was taking advantage. He wanted thermoply. That was his initial, uh, what yeah. he had his eye on. He had no, he wasn't looking. So this random woman, who was she? Was she even a person of, like, note? Yeah, she was, the uh, like I just said, the emperor's sister. Oh, okay, who was okay, being okay. arranged to uh, marry a uh, senator. Okay, okay. That, see, oh, that makes it a little bit better. Because in my mind, I, I just does. thought it was just a random person being wed to a senator, reached out to Attila the Hun, and was like, want to get married? And then this whole thing happens. <laughs> no, no, and I was like, oh, no. legends. Well, I think, again, I don't think Attila, again, it's, I don't even think he was interested in her. It was like... This was she, his opportunity? Well, yeah. It was an opportunity for, I think, a handful of reasons. I think out of all the things I've ever learned from reading about him, he jumped on weakness. He jumped yes. on weakness and opportunity. Yeah. So when he saw this, where uh, the sister of the emperor was saying, send him a note of a ring and a note. He was like, perfect. This is my end. Exactly. This is my end to claim, claim half of the whole wow. Roman Empire. Jesus. So. <laughs> and that, that, like, there's not, I mean, probably fair if they get married. Yeah. So. So but, what happens but, then? Yeah, exactly. Well, I'm about to tell you. So in 451 AD, Attila invaded Roman Gaul. Um, and so Jordanese, the historian, the other Roman historian, claimed his umber, num, army numbered half a million men. Okay. Can you imagine? Yeah. I'm going to whisper real quick. Yeah, sure. Can you imagine 500,000 people yeah. in one spot? Right. I, I can't even imagine. I can't, I can't fathom. I can't. 
I, I see like Lord of the Rings movies, things where they have mass uh, <laughs> yeah. CGI'd people sure. together, and you're like, oh, that doesn't look like a lot. But imagine that in person. I would be like out now of my mind. Now that you got me thinking about it, I need to rewatch those movies and think, because I don't, I don't think that was half a million. I mean, were there, there might have been half a million orcs at yeah. Battle. You know the orcs? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that orc army, you know? Yeah, yeah. I wonder. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I do. Um, uh, well, this tangent. So, so his half a million men, mm-hmm. um, which was such a force that wiped and slaughtered anyone who stood in their way. Cities were captured and plundered almost with no opposition. Okay. Um, and at this point, basically. Claimed his bride. That well, no, the Roman em- the emperor was help, help anybody, help. And so <laughs> they said, <laughs> yeah, "My own sister." So they send out a note to the Gothic and the Vandals. Who, you know, they've been at war with all yeah. these people. This is how bad Attila the, was. The situation. They send out a note to the Gothic, the Vandals, to all of these you know other empire that they're mm-hmm. at war with, asking for help and saying this was the cult called arms. This is the the the. Uh, note that I have and it goes bravest of nations it is the part of prudence for us to unite against the lord of the earth who wishes to uh. enslave the whole world who requi- requires no justice for cause of battle but supposes whatever he does is right he measures his ambition by his might despising the law and right he shows himself as an enemy to nature itself Oh my! and thus God. he who clearly is the common foe of each deserves the hatred of all Oh, that's a strong, that's a strong argument. Like if you're going to send that to your enemies, it has to be good because my God, yeah, uh, the hatred between them. Yeah. And so it's a rallying call. And honestly, they've had brush-ins with the Huns before. They know. Exactly. All of these other mini side people. It's not like they're calling arms to a random person that they're saying is going to rule the world. No. They know they've had brushes. They're the reason why they're there in the first place. Yeah. They've, they've. The, the Huns have had a touch on all of these people at yes. one point. So it's not like they're coming to unknown people, but to, oh to go to everybody's God. like these, if it's like to do with the party who's wronged everybody and it just comes out, you know what? Hey guys. And it finally comes to light. This guy's the source of all the problems. <laughs> and so it's like United. Wait a minute. Yeah, you're right. Why are we guy, fighting? Exactly. This, this dude's the worst. <laughs> we'll deal with us later. Yeah. yeah. And so the Franks, the Saxons, the Allens, and especially they the did? Visigoths all realized they were just in as much danger uh, from the Huns as the Romans. Because if the Romans fell, there was nothing protecting them from the same wrath. Nothing. There was nothing. Oh, uh, my God. And so they all agreed to fight Attila and his army. Oh, my God. He had that much power. He had, he had, to, he had to assemble the Avengers against him to stop this man. <laughs> I mean, I'm not trying to make light of all the history in here. No, but yeah. damn. I know. Damn, you know, like that's that's a, requiring that's a scary some, man right there. Requiring some uh, focus. Yeah. And so this effort. So I I forgot to mention, but there was this effort was led by a Roman war general who has previously um, uh, worked with Attila during peace times, and there's some other history there. But okay. anyway, uh, I'm kind of glossing over that because there's I want to get to the big story. Yeah. So, um, but he led the coalition of nations and met the Huns at the battle. Of uh, Chalons. What a sight. Also known as the Battle of the Catal- uh, Catalonian Fields. Right. And it's a historic battle. Can you imagine the shock on Attila the Hun's face when every single one of his like prior enemies show up to the <laughs> like, fight? All like, your ex-girlfriends show up to the wedding is, yeah. and you're like, oh my God. Yeah. Um, well, 
on June 20th, 451 AD um, is when this happened. Yeah. This mass force happened, a fights, uh, fight happened. And so up to this point, this had been one of the bloodiest military conflicts in history. Mm-hmm. So, again, I say all of these things like raised cities, captured hundreds of cities, and it sound, it can sound, I, I think... think of the thousands of people living in every single one of those exactly. cities Exactly. When you realize the actuality of what the physical actions are happening, yes. it it's not just me glossing over notes in a, yes. in a P, you know, PDF. Like, this was actually horrific. Yeah. It, it was one of the bloodiest, like, uh, long-time fight, you know, like, little bouts of history. Right. Just with everyone fighting, taking cities, conquering cities, killing people, killing each other. And so this big war was kind of the culmination of, like, a swarm yeah. of bees, you know? Like, right. it just happened, and then this ended up being the last kind of um, really big... Uh, uh, contention point so as eyewitnesses reported the planes filling up with thousands of bodies piled on top of one another they also said with the hunnic camp attila had made a massive funeral pry for himself and was prepared to throw himself on it to burn alive rather than be captured if that were to happen okay so he was a man of strict regulation it sounds like um but historians have varied here on the on the outcome because it's so bloody because it's so big that the historical view of it of who won in quotes is right. could be debated it could be everybody lost but most of how many people died right but most agree that the romans and the visigoths won the battle okay okay even though it could be debated because it's such a kind of bloody horrific sure. thing that who won you know yeah and there's a mix of multiple countries in there like you don't know yeah and so um again it was debated but most agree the visigoths won the battle which is kind of the 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 muscle of the roman empire Mm -hmm. at this point when they were getting these people together the visigoths were really strong right um although with heavy heavy casualties and so the king theodoric theodoric sorry (laughs) who was the king of the visigoths okay Mm -hmm. this is a big point here fell in the battle okay and his son uh wanted to like took over right okay and he wanted to invade the camp what was left of the huns and finish them off once and for all right and they probably could have but atius so a this other uh roman uh emperor or uh, king sorry i don't even know his title actually intervened on behalf of attila and convinced the young king, as the new king of the Visigoths, he should return to his empire and consolidate power. Oh, no. And so, why would he do such a thing, is the question, right? Sure. When he had the opportunity to rid himself of the Huns. It's because he feared the Visigoths. So, at this point, they were so strong, right? Again, they were the muscle here in this kind yes. of war. And he feared them that they had the potential to turn into an even more dangerous foe who was a lot closer to the Roman borders. Sure. So, as long as Attila was around, he served as the common enemy. Right. He united Romans and Goths alike. So you just want him weakened enough where he isn't a problem anymore. But enough to be strategic uh, as enough... the reason for who our anger should be directed yes. at. And so Attila was able to retreat, living to fight another day. And in less than a year had passed before the Huns returned to attack the Western Empire. This time, heading straight into Italy, intent on pillaging the most significant Roman settlements. Okay. And so, 
We're getting near the end here, but the city of Aquilae endured the worst of it, being completely razed to the ground and Mm -hmm. continued on into the province of Venetia. And according to tradition, this was the actual reason that led to the founding of the city of Venice. Oh. So it was settled by refugees who left the other cities to escape the Huns. Oh, my God. And they were correctly summarized that the Attila's cavalry would not follow them into the lagoon that enclosed Venice. Oh. And so they built Venice. Interesting. Isn't that great? Again, this period of time left scattered pieces, but forever right. left them in how we know them today. So they they built Venice out of out of have to. Yeah, like it was the part. It was the mindset of where where can they not reach us, or how oh can we build God. something that is away from these people? Oh my God, um, he sounds terrifying. Yeah. He sounds absolutely terrifying for yeah. this to be happening. Um, and so, okay. So one interesting fact, uh, without the gothic muscle to stop this time, by the way. Mm-hmm. So when they're making this other run in the last it's just the Romans year, again. Romans, because again, they were back consolidating power. Right. Right. And this is within less of a year. And so the Romans sent multiple envoys to try to secure peace. And again, I wanted to mention this because this was so interesting, was... They would send multiple envoys, right, to try to talk him, to talk to Attila, to try to calm this, try to make it peace, right? Yeah. And they even sent Pope Leo the first. They sent a pope there, and it's actually he's actually credited Leo for convincing Attila to turn back after having been impressed with Leo's words and his piety. Wow. So, um, however, his life came so. For, that was such a big thing to me. I was like, yeah. wait, what? There's a whole movie in there. <laughs> yeah, there is a movie in there. <laughs> Sending the Pope to talk to Attila the Hun. Possibly his death, first of all, Romans. <laughs> right. But <laughs> You're sending a man. Again, yeah. We it's speculation. We attribute it to Leo, but, but there's other things that were propaganda happening. propaganda for other people as well. Well, there's other... The Huns back home were getting... Uh, there was disease and stuff that was happening. His men at this point after being ravaged all this sure. much. Weakened army... Hit, supposedly back home, they were enduring other attacks from other sides of their border. Right. So it kind of again, it almost became where Attila was like, "Well, fine, I'll let I'll let peace happen." Sure. And so he went back to his empire. Um, however, his death is not what I thought it was going to be. Okay. So his life came to a sudden end in 453 A.D. while celebrating his marriage to a new wife. Um. And Attila, according to the Roman... Not the, not the Roman queen? No, not the Roman queen. <laughs> Dang. I don't know what ended up happening there. I, <laughs> and I need to know what up happened there. to this love story. Well, that's something good for people to research if they want to end up looking uh, what happened to her. Yeah. But according to the Roman historian, again, some of this could be slanted. Sure. Because do you think these Roman uh, historians liked the Huns or Attila? No. no. And you don't, also don't want to portray yourself as um, weak Right. Well, supposedly... Attila fell on his bed in a drunk. He was drunk, mm-hmm. um, and with his head tilted back, he, right, he like he was drunk, so he went to oh. sleep. That supposedly he choked on his own blood, oh. either from a burst blood uh, burst blood vessel or a nosebleed. And there's other rumors, of course, that his wife assassinated him, right. um, or Attila or Attila dying of internal bleeding from excessive drinking. Oh, but wow. that he died in yeah. that manner, and so. In mourning, this is his death is not a small deal either. Because no. in mourning, all of the Hun soldiers cut their long hair, and they cut their cheeks so that in quotes, the greatest of all warriors should be mourned not with the tears or the wailings of women, but with the blood of men. Ooh, 
And so, according to legend, it was important for their chieftain's uh, burial place to be anonymous uh, among their, you know, their culture. Sure. And they'd never had a greater chieftain than Attila. So, he was placed inside three coffins, a gold one, inside of a silver one, inside, inside of an iron one. The coffin was then buried in a riverbed, and the people who did it were then killed, so that there would be nobody left alive who knew where the final resting place of Attila the Hun is. Oh, my is. God. So. Epic. Our next adventure is to next... go find <laughs> Attila the Hun's burial ground. There you Can go. Can you imagine? And you know he's, I, I also forgot to mention, I believe I read he was buried with his sword. So, oh. like, can Recover you the imagine, sword. can you imagine <laughs> finding Attila the Hun's body yeah. buried in gold? Because they had so much gold at this point. Yeah. <laughs> um, gold inside sword, of man. silver, inside of iron. Yeah. That's crazy. Like, I, I almost feel like that he would be, it's like a sarcophagus. Oh, yeah. So... I almost would wonder how much, how preserved he was. I assume probably, probably not, not well enough. Probably not. But I mean, again, like not really a sarcophagus because I think there has to be other um, factors in, which I'm not sure what they're doing. Isn't it just burial uh, things were about? Like, because, yeah. Like when the Egyptians did it, right? Which kind of led to, like, people don't know exactly why they're so well preserved, the mummies that they have. But a lot of it is due to that they take out every internal organ, blood, they yeah. do all that stuff. I don't know if that's what they had did true. for their leader. True. Uh, well, if anything, you find the coffins and whatever he was buried with, Yeah, which would be insane. Um, Man, I want that sword. <laughs> but yeah, that's my podcast. That's the story of Attila the Hun. That's amazing. Um, I thought it was really fascinating. Yeah, it is very fascinating. I knew none of this, so this yeah. is great. Well, um, for those who are interested in learning more about what we have going on, we do have social media, we Casual do. X History. Um, we've mentioned it in the last one. We're probably going to start touching on it every time, but there's going to be some cool new content that's going to be starting mm-hmm. not soon, but soon enough. We're, we're building up a whole stockpile of really cool content and trying to make our world online really cool and places yeah. to be. And not just, we want to make a podcast, but we want to, we just love doing it. So we want to make something, uh, that you want to code on our Twitter and find, learn something new on our yeah. Facebook and learn something new. So that's something we're gonna we're starting to do. High um, ambitions, high ambitions, and uh, yeah. So in our oats, so like we said oats. at the very beginning. So in our oats already. Yeah, and for, literally, I just want to mention. I I looked at our numbers. I don't normally do that, but yeah. I looked at the people who are listening. Yo, that those amount of people. I I kind of am shocked that there's that amount of people. Me too. That honestly. are even giving us the time of day, which is pretty cool. It is very cool. with us doing nothing but just posting. I know. We haven't had, it's not like we have followings. Like we're just no. posting podcasts because we enjoy doing it. And so pretty cool. Yeah. I just, so I just, thank you guys. Yeah. If you're out there listening right now, um, please share with anybody that you think would love this podcast with us. We're kind of building our own community here. And yeah. I love that. And just, we just want to thank you again. We, we want you guys, guys involved too. Heck yeah. uh, that's part of the mission that we want is we want people to be able to send us messages and have a place where everyone can communicate and talk about these ideas talk about these thoughts you know how far are you on the mermaid scale what do you believe in mer- <laughs> you know that kind of thing we yeah. want that kind of community so we Definitely. appreciate everyone who's um stuck around to this end of the podcast because if you're made it this deep in you know you're you're a true yeah historian casual historian casual historian <laughs> okay. yeah and we hope you guys have an amazing uh thanksgiving yep and uh safe thanksgiving and uh We'll see you next time. We'll see you next time.